Always stand on principle, even if you stand alone. What can we learn from John Adams, our second president, when it comes to the importance of legal representation, even for unpopular clients? Our good friend David Lett joins us to explain. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, audience. Welcome back. Hope you're having a terrific day out there wherever you happen to be. We've got a really important show today. We're talking about our rights to representation in the court. And of course, the Sixth Amendment guarantees our right to legal counsel in criminal matters, a right that was further expanded by a 1963 Supreme Court decision called Gideon v. Wainwright. And that's where if you can't afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. But in civil matters, and that's what we'll be talking about today, there is no Gideon v. Wainwright equivalency, and so parties will have to fund their own lawsuits. But everyone, even unpopular clients and causes, have access to the courts to resolve their legal disputes. And that's our starting point for today. We invited our good friend David Latt to the show to help us discuss what's going on with Jones Day and some of these other law firms and lawyers who have found themselves under public scrutiny for representing President Trump's legal interest in the recent election cases. Welcome to the show, David. Great to be here, Lawrence. Absolutely. I think this is the first time you've been on this show. I know you've been a uh, recurring guest uh, on several of our shows, but I think it's the first time you're on Legal Talk today. So thanks for jumping on. And I wanted to ask you, because I haven't talked with you since the pandemic began, but uh, how's your recovery going? Uh, Very well, thanks. Very well. It's now been about uh, eight or nine months since my bout with COVID, and I'm feeling a lot better. I feel very lucky. I don't seem to have any lingering symptoms, knock on wood. What's your mileage up to these days? Uh, Now I can get to two miles, which (laughs) isn't much, but considering that I had to work my way back up from zero after getting out of the hospital, it's it's a start. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. We were really worried about you over here at Legal Talk Network. I know Adam, uh, Cameron, and I were uh, very concerned. So I'm glad. We got one, glad to hear your voice and uh, two, glad that you're on the road to recovery here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Well, I was really excited when uh, our producer, Molly McDonough, uh, said that you were going to come on the show because I think you're the perfect guest to talk about our topic today. And so, you know, you've been a law clerk, you've been a federal prosecutor, you know, you're a litigation associate at Wachtell Lipton, so big law firm, you know, you're author, writer, very savvy with social media. And of course, I think most people know you for founding Above the Law, but recently you're a managing director for Lateral Link. And of course, that's a recruiting company that helps place these top associates with big firms. So you're kind of seeing our topic today from all different angles. And so, David, if you just permit me just a moment here to kind of set things up, I'm going to kind of go harken back to my intro. And that, of course, that was a quote by John Adams. And the inspiration for that was this piece I read by Bob Carlson, the the former ABA president. And uh, he wrote an article for ABA journals titled Defense of the Unpopular. Lawyers should not suffer backlash for defending rights of unsympathetic clients. And so in this piece, he was talking about John Adams in 1770 representing the British soldiers who were accused of killing colonists in the Boston Massacre. And this was incredibly unpopular at the time. And, uh, you know, there was a very scary time for him, but he believed it was the right thing to do. And this was before the Declaration of Independence. This was before the Constitution. But he recognized that without the ability to defend everybody, they were not going to have much much of a court system. So transitioning back to you, David, you know, when I grew up, went through law school, it seemed that this was a message pretty easy to explain to most people, even if they hated, you know, some crime that was committed by somebody that seemed really guilty, but things have changed. I've never seen such backlash against law firms. I think this is kind of a a new level of heat. And so I just wanted to ask, you know, what do you think's causing that today? Is it a matter of not being educated in civics? Is it social media? Is it just a tough year? What do you think? 
I think I would identify three factors. Uh, first, I think you're right. I think there is a lack of civics education. People don't understand the role of lawyers in our judicial system and how uh, even very unpopular clients uh, are entitled to their counsel. Uh, second, I think, as you note, social media plays a role. It kind of sometimes leads to a look, I love social media, and as you mentioned, I'm very active on it, but it sometimes can lead to a sort of mob mentality or a rush to judgment. And then I think the third factor is we just live in very polarized times. Yeah. Uh, Just politically, the studies have shown that we're at a peak polarization. Well, let's talk about lawyers shaming other lawyers. And so in particular, I want to cite to a couple of projects here. So there's the Lincoln Project and the Midas Touch Project. And the reason they're important is that they've been actively engaging in these multimedia campaigns to put pressure on a firm like Jones Day. And so in particular, they've been targeting clients of those firms and saying, hey, why are you working with this firm? Look what they're doing. And then they've been targeting some of the associates that work there and even some of the new recruits before they even arrive on that front doorstep to apply for a position at Jones Day. And so I guess, you know, when it comes to that, you know, what are your thoughts about lawyers shaming other lawyers? Does that lend legitimacy to attacking the notion of representation of someone who might be considered unpopular? I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest. Now, look, people have their First Amendment rights. And if you want to use your right of speech to point out that a firm is representing someone or some cause that's reprehensible, that's certainly your right. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of it. Lawyers know that lawyers don't necessarily agree with everything that their client has said or done. And I think there is perhaps at the margins an erosion of that right to counsel if we do engage in this. Uh, One thing I will also add is I am a little bit more bothered by singling out individual lawyers, especially very junior lawyers, as opposed to firms. The big firms, they have thousands of lawyers, they have billions in revenue. If you want to just attack, criticize Jones Day in general, I'm less troubled by that. But posting the lawyers' names and their contact info, which is kind of encouraging people to bug them by phone or email, uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. Well, another element of pressure that's been featured in the media, at least the last uh, few weeks, has been this practice of list building. And so I saw this probably most notoriously with the Trump Accountability Project. It was a website group that came up on um, election night. And so they put together this website that was basically asking people to submit links and contact information if they had it, meaning you know where to find them online. And they were asking to basically tally up lists for you know people that helped elect President Trump or staffed his government. Uh, funded his campaigns or even represented the Trump campaign or the Trump administration. And so yeah, I look back at that and it just seems like, and it got a lot of news coverage because even elected officials kind of picked up on it. There's certainly that uh, the representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweet. There's been journalists that have sort of indicated, hey, is anybody keeping track of these? And some people saying, yes, we are. And it sort of kind of snowballed on that. And I was thinking, you know, if you're using that, you know, to intimidate people, you know, that could really impact representation. If people don't want to get out in the limelight, maybe they don't want to provide representation for a client that could be controversial. I just wanted to just kind of hand it over to you for your thoughts on that list building practice. Yeah, so the Trump Accountability Project, which you mentioned, originally started off as trying to stymie the job searches of officials who served in the Trump administration. Uh, They eventually backed down uh, in the spirit of President-elect Joe Biden, talking about how we need to move forward, united. But in terms of what they were attempting to do previously, 
again, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, there are people who served in the Trump administration who were there to actually curb the excesses of the administration or to check some of President Trump's worst impulses. And you have to draw a distinction between people like that and people who were maybe supporting some of the worst policies, like, say, family separation. So I think it paints with too broad a brush to say that everyone who served in this administration is evil. Well, you mentioned kind of a, a difference between singling out individuals and the big firms. And so you know, these practices of these sort of social shaming campaigns and list building, you know, I could see that if you lose big clients, even in a big firm, that can really impact the bottom line and, you know, put employment in danger. But especially with these little firms or mid-sized firms, you know, they get on the wrong side of a really bad campaign of a boycott or something like that. I mean, that could really curtail their business and, you know, potentially wipe them out if, if they're going through a tough economic cycle like we have been during the course of 2020. And so I just wanted to kind of follow up on this. You know, how dangerous are these practices to our justice system, you know, as to whether or not people receive adequate representation in court? So I think right now, because Trump is not super popular, maybe many people are are supporting these efforts to single out lawyers and law firms who've worked with him. But think about situations in the past. For example, when uh, some conservatives were criticizing lawyers who were representing uh, detainees at uh, Guantanamo Bay or criticizing people who represented uh, terrorists. There, the reaction was very different and people generally reacted negatively, saying uh, even people who are accused of uh, terrorist acts deserve representation. So it is kind of funny or interesting that President Trump in some ways is viewed as uh, worse than uh, you know terrorists at Guantanamo Bay. Look, again, I, I totally understand why people are not fans of his, and uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of his myself, but I would prefer to not... A, attack lawyers and law firms just for their clients. Now, if you want to attack somebody because they file a meritless lawsuit, that's a different story. I want to talk about the momentum of some of these campaigns. And so, you know, it's one thing if a business is threatened and it's another thing, you know, if, um, you know, if it discourages you a little bit from maybe engaging into uh, taking on maybe a little bit more from a uh, social perspective, risky client. But, uh, you know, recently I was reading in social media that uh, Lynn Wood had uh, reported he had been, of course, Lynn Wood's the attorney representing Kyle Wittenhouse, the uh, teenage gunman that was, uh, that's under charges right now in a killing in Kenosha. You know, obviously Kyle claims that it was self-defense. But there's another side that says that he was out there being dangerous. And so we will see as uh, that court case develops. But anyway, Linwood is uh, known for representing some pretty high profile clients. Of course, Richard Jewell from the Atlanta Olympics falsely investigated and accused of uh, bombing the Olympics, the Ramsey family and the Jean Benet murder case. And of course, Nicholas Sandman in his suit against CNN. So just kind of sorry, uh, David, it's just kind of uh, rolling that in case people didn't know who Lynn Wood was. But he'd recently complained that he got death threats for representing Kyle Wittenhouse. And so I'm just wondering if some of this and maybe it's just a hot year, maybe 2020 is just kind of one of these years everybody's out of sorts. It's been a tough year, but it does seem like it's escalating. And so my question to you is when you see this escalation of some of these blacklist practices and social media shaming, do you think it escalates to violence at some point? I mean, what do you think? Are we getting closer to that? Is it dangerous? I think it certainly increases the possibility, especially in an era when people are very much on edge and people are feeling very passionate about their particular views. So It is definitely concerning. You know, this is why I'm not a fan of posting people's addresses publicly. We all recall the story about uh, Judge Esther Salas, who's a federal judge in New Jersey, and 
her family's address was publicly available and um, her son uh, was killed and her husband was shot and seriously injured by a disgruntled litigant. So look, I'm not saying, oh, just because you mention these people, suddenly they're going to be attacked. It's, it's, right. you know, it's not that automatic, but it increases the possibility, sure. Yeah, just kind of a reminder that we all need to be responsible in what we share and how we say it, I think, especially when times, uh, when I guess there's passions are hot these days. So let's uh, transition to Jones Day. So I, you know, I definitely wanted to, uh, to get your uh, your thoughts on this because, you know, you've run above the law and certainly over the time, you know, you all have had some challenges over the years. You've had to put out some fires during the course of, uh, you know, reporting the news in the in the legal profession. And so I wanted to ask you how you would advise Jones Day right now. You know, they want to keep their current list of clients, but they also want to do the right thing for the ones that they're currently in the middle of legal battles for. So how would you go about advising Jones Day? So I can't really fault them for how they have handled the backlash. Uh, They issued a statement. First, they were trying to explain who exactly they were representing because it was incorrectly reported that they were representing Trump. And uh, technically, in some of these cases, they were representing other parties, for example, the Pennsylvania Republican Party. And then the other thing that they said in their public statement was that they're not going to back down or withdraw from representing unpopular clients. And I think that's probably the right call. Now, I think there's an earlier question, should Jones Day have started representing Trump, you know, several years ago to begin with? And I think that is a fair question. It's certainly at the time that they represented Trump back in 2016 or 15 or whenever it was they started, they got a lot of blowback. And that's a thing they should have thought about. Um, But once you're with a client, uh, the standard for parting ways or jettisoning a client you already have is much higher than the standard for just passing on a client who wants you to represent them, but you haven't started yet. All right, let's close it out with uh, more of an optimistic question, David. And so, you know, obviously, as, as we've been talking about, we were at polarized times and uh, this was a contentious election and, the, and it seems like the uh, just the internal temperature is a little bit hotter in 2020 than in 2019. And so, you know, what's your advice for American people regarding their right to counsel and representation in the courts? I think that in general, as long as lawyers are not advancing, you know, frivolous arguments or perpetuating frauds on the court, uh, in general, we should let lawyers represent their clients. Uh, And I think uh, we'll all be better off that way, whether the client happens to be on the the left or the right. That's just my personal view. And again, I understand people have First Amendment rights to criticize lawyers and law firms. But uh, I think we'll all be better off if, as President-elect Biden has been urging us to uh, we just move forward and try to be united. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful talking with you again. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. It was a pleasure. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We'll cite our sources for this episode on our website, legaltalknetwork.com. There's a lot of them too, to review. So check them out for yourself. Also want to thank my team. I want to thank producer Molly McDonough and of course, our LTN production crew for all their hard work. Much, much appreciated. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.